Hello and welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. Check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, there you can listen to our previous shows, our previous uh, segments, if you will, um, regarding this series that we are doing of the position group analysis. Uh, last week we did one with Sean Vergovin, host of the Spartan on the Banks podcast. Uh, we talked about the defensive backs. Yesterday, we talked with uh, Connor Muldowney about the tight ends and uh, wide receivers, and he's got a podcast coming out with former MSU legend Eric Snow. Chris Stanton is with me today to talk about running backs. Chris, uh, you got a podcast coming out anytime soon? No, but I loved yesterday's with Connors, but I tell you what, I had an itch to scratch because you guys were uh, on the tip of your tongue. You couldn't remember Trayvon Morgan who ventured to down to Kentucky and Miami of Ohio. It, the show was great, and I loved it, and, and Connor's fascinating to listen to. And I'm looking forward to his uh, podcast with um, Mr. Snow. But, uh, yeah, it was it was like sometimes when you're watching Jeopardy at home and you're, like, yelling at the TV set. That's kind of how uh, <laughs> I, I yesterday's uh, show went for me personally, but I digress. Yeah, um, we, we both kind of chalked that up as a – Oh, after we talked about that, but uh, yeah, I got you guys. I got you back. Let's yeah, yeah. Let let's let's talk. Let's talk some running backs today. By the way, uh, you can check us out on Facebook too. Trouble with Snap Podcast. Like, share, subscribe on all of those formats and platforms, and uh, that would be greatly appreciated. So, Chris, obviously, you heard the show. You know how we kind of do this. We didn't really talk about any of the pros and cons with the receivers because let's be real. There shouldn't really be any. <laughs> They're all good blockers. They're all good pass catchers. They're all good route runners. You know, the height's a little disconcerting, but Jadery can still get jump ball, so who gives a crap? So, <laughs> well, there is a concern, but the concern is tied in with the running backs, too, and you know what I'm going to allude to with that, but uh, let, yeah. let's get into it. Yeah, all right. So, the projected starter, based upon my own analysis or whatever, uh, it's – it's flipped a little bit because I, I had another guy, and we'll talk about him later when we talk about the depth in the room, but it's looking like it's going to be Jarek Broussard, 2020 Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. He's on the Dope Walker watch list. We'll see if Michigan State can run it back, get it. Uh, he did He did have a slight drop-off last season, and I know you, you've got your own little breakdown of him, but uh, is that a concern? that he kind of fell off a little bit, lost like a yard per carry. No, because he was playing for Colorado. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that's part of it. Um, obviously, he would be a Tucker guy. Tucker probably recruited him into that spot, wanted to play for Mel again. Yeah. Um, you've heard me go on and on before about – I'm looking at 2015 and 2017. If this group this year can be a similar three-headed monster – to L.J. Scott, Madre London, and Gerald Holmes, I will be more than happy. I really, really hope that, and, and you know, the hype machine gets going this time of year, not just down in Ann Arbor, but for, for Michigan State as well. Please, people, do not expect Kenneth Walker-type production out of any of these guys. Yeah, one's coming in as a former five-star recruit from Wisconsin. We've seen flashes of brilliance from Elijah Collin. But Broussard... Let the kid establish himself, and and for me, it's if 
the Big Ten is very physical. Everybody knows that. But if, if these three guys can hold down the position, I think Michigan State's going to be very successful. Yeah, and look, I, you said something about the expectations for the fan base. That, that's the thing is this fan base is going to completely lose their mind when Jarek Broussard has, I don't know, like 13, 14 carries for 90 yards and no touchdowns. But because he didn't rip mm-hmm. off 75 yards on the first carry of the season <laughs> for six, like people are going to just go absolutely bonkers. Like, oh, the running game's just trash this year. It's all on Peyton Thorne. <laughs> this is another thing. Look, I I know what Connor said yesterday. I know he said Jarek Broussard, he wanted to touch on the running backs a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. is going to be quote-unquote canine light. And I think you'll see similar styles in regard to the running. And I think he obviously fits the scheme. But, yeah, don't – he's not going to be Kenneth Walker. We've not had a Kenneth Walker since Javon Ringer. And, I mean, obviously Jeremy Langford is, you know, one of the all-time underrated backs and – I'll argue his career at Michigan State obviously means more than what Kenneth Walker's does. But it's just one of those situations where K-9, like K-9 only did it for a year, and that's why I'm saying that. But where you could have a running back create their own space. Mm-hmm. I worry that Broussard doesn't have the physical um, – build and the physical acumen that uh that walker had remember the pictures that we saw last year of walker pulling sleds and he looked like he was getting ready for a world's strongest man contest or uh, you know bodybuilder pro wrestler kind of deal broussard is shifty he's quick he he has those canine like qualities so you know i'm not not hating on connor at all for that statement i see where he's coming from but i think that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, though, he he said canine light, you know. That's like mm-hmm. Budweiser to Bud Light. <laughs> and, like, there, there's still a huge difference between the two. It's just mm-hmm. you got to temper your expectations regarding its, well, let's just say effectiveness. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and, and that's where Jalen and Elijah come in. When, when he can't carry the, the rock anymore because he's beat up, ding, round two, you know, put in Berger, put in Collins. I, I still have hope for Elijah Collins. Jordan Simmons, I don't. Um, I, when I had a chance to watch him in the Peach Bowl last year, he just he, – he doesn't do it for me. He doesn't do it for this team. Uh, I'm surprised he stuck around. The other one that's uh, – and I know I'm kind of probably jumping your agenda a little bit here as I rattle down the roster – uh, Harold Joyner, I don't know what role he has. At 6'4", 215, I wonder if he can be brought in as more of a blocking back. Um, you guys did a fantastic job talking about the tight ends yesterday. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, their secret or their uh, – the, the part that's going to help there is their ability to block. What about Joyner? Can he be inserted into this offense to help the O-line that, you know, lost three starters – you only got five returning, and some of those guys were banged up. You know, this joiner can joiner become that piece, and that would be super uh, helpful for this team. 
Well, oh, okay, you, you had a lot there as you went down the roster. So I'm, I'm going to go back to Collins and Simmons. I think it's absolutely amazing that they stuck around, especially given mm-hmm. the mass exodus that you get with Mel Tucker as he's trying to round this roster into a shape that he's comfortable with. Um, and a shape that can compete for a Big Ten title. And, I mean, mm-hmm. look, a national title is his goal. It's every coach's goal. If that's not your goal as a coach, then get out. You heard Vanderbilt's coach the other day say they want to be the best football team in the nation. So As you should. Yeah. And so uh, so that that's where I'm at. And, I, like you said, I think – Keeping Collins and Simmons, I don't know how that happened because you talk about Joyner. Joyner last year was a third down back, and he he wasn't used in your third down back role of, okay, this is going to be my scat back, this is going to be my Kareem Hunt, my Duke Johnson, my that type of guy who can just run out and catch passes. Now, he did catch mm-hmm. passes last year, and, he, you know, he had a couple nice runs after a catch, nothing – too overwhelming or anything that would make it more playing time. But right now he's a third down back and he's kept in for blocking. And I think that's why he got that role. That plus, I mean, you look at the toll that Kenneth Walker was taking. I think that he needed it. So, so you needed that other back and you got him in Harold Joyner. I don't see Joyner's role changing at all. I, th- I think it's going to be the exact same role he played last year. If Berger or Broussard can block a little better than K9, then maybe it decreases a bit. But, yeah, I don't see that happening much at all. There is one name that we did not mention. Mm-hmm. And this is a name from uh, – this is a name we – I think for a spring game we kind of briefly – touched on like all the position groups with uh, former Michigan State tight end Jay Green. And he talked about this guy. Then like two, three days later, articles started coming now about how impressive this kid was. And I think it when you factor in Joyner, you fat you when you factor in Joyner, you factor in Jalen Berger, you factor in Jarek Broussard. Now you have to throw in Davion Krim. And right. that's a kid who, when those articles came out like three days later, I'm at work and I just hear my phone buzzing, just bzz, bzz, bzz. And it's Jay Green. I told you about this guy. Watch out for this kid. And he's like, people always want to follow the leader. He goes, I'm leading this one. And so that's a name. Look, he's a freshman. There's not much you can do to break down freshmen. Let, let's be real. Oh, well, his tape shows this. Eh, okay. Yeah, J.J. Watt's tape also showed he wasn't going to make it as an NFL linebacker necessarily. So that when you go to the next level, it becomes really, really difficult. But when you factor him into the equation in Berger and Broussard, and you have those three guys, Chris, you're talking about a running back by committee. I think those three guys are going to be it, and Joyner's going to be in on – third and nines to help hold down the fourth backfield. Right. And the, the nice thing about Davion Prim is he he has pass catching abilities 
And that was kind of Tucker's quote, or one of his quotes at least, keep an eye on this guy because he ha- he can do a lot of things, and this is one thing that he can do. So I'm, I'm excited to hopefully Jay Green uh, is a little bit Nostradamus here, and he's on to something. Yeah, but that – I mean, that, that's a lot of depth. You, you wouldn't find – I, I don't even know if you can find a deeper running back room in the nation. And you know what? For, forget about Alabama is, you know, they just pump out pro after pro after pro after pro. But what what I mean by that is you look at Jared Broussard, he's probably going to be the starter. Jalen Berger is going to get the second most carries, and Prim's going to end up with three. Harold Joyner's not – bad he he's looking at he's looking as uh like i said that that third down back if you will and then you throw simmons who you know three yards cloud of dust he's a physical runner especially given his size but you your fifth running back is elijah collins your fifth running back had 988 yards as a freshman, and he only played 10 and a half games. That, to me, just blows my mind how deep that is. Right. Collins uh, also had 198 yards the last two seasons, and I know that's due to injury and not playing in a variety of things. Um, Time will tell. You know, we'll, we'll see after probably the fourth game, these guys get some reps, what, what's going to happen. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll have to figure that out rather quick, too, because, you know, a trip out to Seattle's uh, game number two. So that's a little uh, concerning for me as as Michigan State tries to figure out this rotation. And here's the deal. I'm I'm not going to harp too much on, oh, this guy absolutely set in stone. Jared Broussard should be the starter. I'm not going to put all my eights in that mm-hmm. basket because, sorry, I don't stay up late enough to watch Pac-12 football. I have a kid, <laughs> so it's a little difficult. Um, Jalen Berger, well, I saw him average three and a half yards to carry at Wisconsin. I'm not going to say anything about that, even though he was a highly touted recruit. He was at Wisconsin. Damian Prim, like I said, I'm not going to stick my foot in the ground and fight for any one of these guys. Because you want to know what happened last time I did that? I was doing that for Elijah Collins last year, and Kenneth Walker was there, and I was still doing it for Elijah Collins. And then I then I, act, I didn't even watch the first carry live because I don't have the ESPN app, so I wasn't able to switch over. And I had to wait for the – for whatever game it was that was before to end. And it switches over at 7 nothing already, and they're showing a replay of K-9 breaking for 75 yards. Like, I'm So I was proven wrong from the very first carry of the season. And, look, Kenneth Walker was the best player in America last year. So I'm not going to stick my foot in the ground and act like an idiot again based upon what happened last season. <laughs> Well, you know that uh, I had a huge uh, man crush on Damian Terry. We'll see how it's, you know how did that work out. So uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, you you and me were next to each other during uh, the football season that year, and I'm pretty sure we started a couple. We want Terry chance, which yeah, uh, look, yeah, guilty. Yep, I did. It's true. I have been, 
I have been I mi- I missed on the K9 thing, but I've been right on a lot of things lately. And I'll gladly yeah. get my chest over it on this podcast. The Connor Cook, Damian Terry thing, and the Kenneth Walker, Elijah Collins thing. Not two of my finest moments, let's just say that. No. Uh, let, let's talk about the pros. Uh, why, what's one pro that you see with this group? Their depth. Um, the ability to, you know, these guys have different skill sets. You kind of alluded to that, that Jordan – Simmons, although I, I feel some type of way about him, he's a physical runner. Um, Broussard is shifty. Uh, Joiner possibly blocking Prim, the ability to pass catch. So I think that bodes really well if it can keep a defense off balance. But I'm going to come back to the, the argument, and I know that uh, you did not offer me the offensive line show, which was perfectly fine. I just I, – I am nervous – about this offensive line because the receivers aren't going to be able to fully run their routes and do what they do if Peyton Thorne is running for his life. And if the holes aren't there for these running backs, it, you know, K-9 was special. Sometimes K-9 made his his own hole, that you know, and then Aiden Hutchinson saw the back of his jersey for uh, several times. But I digress. Um, I, I think it's just their, their, their flexibility is fantastic. And, and getting uh, getting a you know to kind of go to probably your next point the cons with these guys are, are there going to be enough carries to go around if if number one is can the offensive line do their job to help these guys do theirs um, you know number two you know there's only one football you know is is are they going to be able to satisfy these guys keep the a good running back in rhythm that's the drawback to having several good running backs. See, okay, so that that's your pro and con. Mine are very similar. My pro is you do have the options. Like I said, your fifth running back had almost a thousand yards as a freshman. So, yeah, I would call that a pro. The con for me with this group is you're talking about potentially too many carries or too few carries to go around. Mine is there's too many options. I don't want. Davion Prim to get stuffed at the line because of a linebacker blitz and you know Samick and Matt Carrick didn't communicate well on who's going to pick him up or anything like that and Mm -hmm. have him go immediately out of the game so you can try to figure out who has the high hand figure Mm -hmm. it out and roll with it that that's my deal I don't want to you said the first I want to know by the end of the first half in that first game, is Jarek Broussard my guy? I know you're a big fan of like the three headed monsters, two headed monsters, and uh, time sharing, and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that to an extent, but I want to know at the end of the game, this is the guy who's in, not Colcrick mm-hmm. or Ring. It's going to be Ringer. That, that's the type of stuff that I want to see. And so, to me, having that many options, unless I – mean, look, there's a chance Mel Tucker knows who it is, and there's a chance that it's only going to be Berger or – yeah, Berger and Broussard. That's a very, very good possibility. Joiner may completely disappear. Um, Collins and Simmons, we don't expect to get many carries. There's that chance mm-hmm. just because – well, I mean, Berger-Broussard – and Prim are all young. And so 
I mean, eventually in the long haul, you're going to need to figure it out, like you said, to where are there enough carries to keep those three happy? Because that's your goal. But you've you've got to figure out who your number one man is. Now, I, I think you're you're asking for too much, though. You know, back when Notre Dame was on the schedule on an annual basis, we used to always say, you know, we won't know what this team is until after the Notre Dame game. And a lot of times mm-hmm. that was uh, second, third, fourth game of the year. Against Western Michigan, uh, you know, and P.J. Flex not walking through that door. He's not leading those guys. It, it's a different – and he hasn't been. This, this Western team might not show us a whole lot as far as the ability to corral the running game. I don't have Western stats in front of me, nor do I really care. I just don't see – I don't see one game being the litmus test for these guys. I think it's going to take two, three, four games to, to give the guys the reps to, to give us the proof. Oh, okay, well, well, let me let me clarify my statement then. Uh, the, how to know if it's that guy is to see what Tucker does. Like I said, maybe Tucker has it figured out, in which case I'll yeah. be comfortable with. But yeah. and, and I'm okay with that. We don't need to know everything. If he's sitting there and he's trying to play hot hand, that's going to bug the crap out of me because you're not going to f- figure it out against Washington either. You have the second or third best receiving uh, room in the Big Ten, you're going to roast a team that just lost two first-round corners in Washington through the air. Like that That's where I'm at. So as long as Tucker knows it, I'm cool. I, I don't need to know who it is because by the second quarter, maybe, maybe Davian Prince is going to just get uh, all the carries or whatever. As long as Tucker knows it, I'm good. But if he's sitting there and he's trying to do that through four weeks, of, the first four weeks of the season, and Prince starts here, Berger starts here, Broussard starts here, Prim gets second quarter, whatever it is, that type of stuff, that's the stuff that's going to drive me up the wall. And I'm not going to be a fan of it. All right, sure. so there's one. That there's one, this, one yeah, the last thing that I'll add real quick is this yeah. staff has earned the the my trust and your trust and, and many people's you know the mm-hmm. the way that they manage the Michigan game more than anything you know keeping them off balance they know what they're doing I'm going to trust Mel Tucker I'm going to trust uh, uh, Chris Kapilovich and and I'm going to trust the guys that are running this team I, I think they do know what's going on there are things that we don't uh, we don't know that are happening in practice, and I mean, we're all excited to see it. So, nope. can't come nope. soon enough. That's the thing. They've, they've earned it. Now, one of the names I will end up talking about on a later show, and we'll try to figure uh, that out because, I, well, I do trust these guys. I do have some complaints as well. That's totally natural. Um, that's fair. There's one more thing I want to talk about, and I just want to touch on this quick because it drives me up the freaking wall. It makes me really angry. <laughs> And, look, I said we weren't going to spend a lot of time on this because there's not a lot of time to spend because we did this freaking dance a couple years ago. And that is a statement made by Catherine Redmond. Um, Ultimately, all she did on Twitter was question if Izzo saw signs about Bridges, quote, it didn't hurt Izzo, but ignoring red flags hurts others. What? No, here, here's the thing. And I, yeah, I, I saw I told, the quote. I, I told you that, yeah. Did you, 
okay, first off, I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you a question. Did you know who Kathy Redmond was before I sent you that this morning? Nope. Me neither. But apparently she's good friends with Paula Levine, and I found this out about I don't know, fifty minutes ago while I should have been working. Is Tabor Pepper's mom got into it on Twitter with her. I, I, I was trying to do a Google search to figure out who she freaking works for, and I couldn't really find anything. But I saw a back and forth between whatever her handle was, and I knew right away who, <laughs> whose mom it was, because it said something mm-hmm. about being a long snapper. <laughs> so I could kind of put two and two together. But I don't have a, I don't have a problem with people hating what Bridges did because I hate what Bridges did. We did not talk about nope. it on the show. Cannot defend it. Because it's indefensible. It's not worth talking about because it is indefensible. I'm not going to say anything. All I said is I'm going to let the legal process play out. And I'm still going to, even though felony charges were brought forth, what was it, early this morning, late last night. So I'm, I'm going to let that play out. And I'm not going to comment a single thing bad that anybody has to say about Bridges. Because what he did was so indefensible. If someone wants to say something bad, fine. I'm going to let it play out. That said, if everything went down the way I think it went down, the way everything looks like it went down, that's a big issue for me. (coughs) Excuse me. So, look, we reached out. We're going to try to get her on the podcast. Because, well, what Bridges did was indefensible. What she did, accusing Tom Izzo of potentially knowing about this and insinuating about it. Not Steve Clifford, not Kevin Atkinson, not LaMelo Ball, not Miles Bridges' rap friends that he picked up after he left Michigan State. This makes me incredibly mad that she's got to go back Four to five years just to try to bring in Tom Izzo's name to this for her stupid friend Paula's articles. And that's not okay. Tom Izzo needs to sue. He needs to put it all down. Miles Bridges didn't have red flags at Michigan State. The only issue was his mom got a dinner paid for from an NBA agent. And he said he didn't support that. So that is what it is. Bringing Tom Izzo's name into this. Is what drives me crazy. Because it's an agenda. And you know it's an agenda. Because guess what. I scrolled through her Twitter. I did not see. A single thing. About Gary Moeller. Or Bo Schembechler. Or any of these other guys that a perverted rapist doctor worked for. I didn't see anything. This is an agenda. This is against Tom Izzo. This is against Michigan State. That's where I stand with this. I want her on this podcast. I will be respectful. I want to have a discussion with her about that statement. Because to bring his name into it. When everything with Payne and Applin got settled, and you want to talk about, what, a 12-year-old stealing a bike? Get out of here. 
That's what Paula talked about in her articles. Because she wanted to set it up like it was a culture of abuse at Michigan State. It's not. It's instances that Mark D'Antonio booted who he needed to boot. It's instances where Tom Izzo handled what he needed to handle with appling and pain. Because that all got sorted out well before ESPN got their grubby little hands on it. You don't believe me? Check the local stuff. That's where I stand. You do not come after Tom Izzo. If he didn't do anything wrong, which he didn't. You wanted to cre- you and your friend wanted to create a little culture at Michigan State that this happens all over the place when Larry Nassar should have been the target the whole time. You turned it into two people who have done their jobs, done their jobs well. And by all accounts, deserve more respect in their pinkies than you do for typing that. D'Antonio and Izzo are world-class guys. They, they're not perfect because nobody is. But they did their job when it came to these types of situations. And instead of sticking up for the people who are trying to protect women, college women, from monsters like these and trying to make sure that they're disciplined accordingly, you want to bash them. And that's your problem with Title IX. That's the problem with the bullcrap that you keep bringing to Twitter, that Paula keeps bringing to Twitter. So that's where I stand. And if anybody out there listening wants to talk about this, we can go even more in depth. I'm totally fine with that. Like I said, I'm not standing with Miles Bridges on this. (laughs) You can't. However, I am standing with Tom Izzo. And until something comes out to prove to me that he knew about red flags, I'm going to continue to do so. Just like I stood with Mark D'Antonio until something came out to prove that he encouraged this culture when he kicked everybody off the team before their names were even brought to the press. Donnie Corley was gone. Austin Robertson was gone. Demetric Vance was gone. So, that's it. Um, No, Chris wanted to say ultimately he had similar thoughts, so We'll just roll with that. Uh, We did have some technical issues, and so he had to uh, get gone. But, yeah, we'll continue breaking down the rest of the position groups. Be sure to, like I said, like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever. Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, whatever it may be. Do all that. Comment. Let us know what you think. I'm Tyler Hayward. This is the Trouble with the Snap Podcast.